Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Read? What's happening? Am I dead? I bet you like zombie books. I like food. Do you have food? You don't need food at dividedbyzerobooks.com. It's full of nutrient-rich science fiction. Ugh, I'm stuck in an ad, aren't I? Once I stop talking, reality will collapse until someone plays this ad again. This isn't the first time we've had this discussion, and it won't be the last. Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Hey, everybody. My name's Derwin, and this is episode 29 of The Blanket Fortress of Solitude. And I am so glad you're with us, because today is a special episode. It is a episode I have had in the works for several weeks now. I recently became reconnected with an old friend that I had deployed with a decade ago, and she has taken up the Lord's work and is currently working as a nurse in COVID hotspots all across this great country. Her name is Jamie Gary. And she was nice enough to say hi and to tell me her story and tell me what she's gone through since the pandemic started. So without any further ado, take it away, Jamie. One final note before we get started, please understand that this interview is to be taken only for entertainment purposes only, and is not to be substituted for the advice of your licensed medical uh, doctor. Well, let me first say, hello, stranger. Long time no talk. I am thoroughly impressed with what you have accomplished in the past decade or so. Um, this is an amazing platform you have, and I think you are doing absolutely amazing things. So thank you for that. A quick synopsis of my military career. I joined the Army January 14th, 1999, on my 18th birthday. On February 14th, exactly one month later, I shipped out to South Carolina. Um, I always wanted to serve my country. I was in ROTC throughout high school. I lived in a small town. We had a lot of freedoms that I was overly grateful for, and I definitely felt like I needed to do my part to um, have those freedoms and protect them for others as well. I was in until 2007 before I stepped out um, for two years and rejoined again in March of 2009. So I re-enlisted in 2009, which is when I got sent over to Iraq and met you. Um, served with 47th Trans, and uh, we did some pretty awesome things. Uh, I love all the people I met, and I definitely like the connection that I still have with several of them. Um, after Iraq, I went over to Fort Stewart, Georgia, uh, I did my deployment to Afghanistan, and it was there that I realized that my calling was for something 
else. Um, I had a soldier that was injured over there. I had to help assist with medical care, and I knew from then on out that my calling was to be in the medical field. So upon my ETS in 2014, I began my medical training. I went to college. I became an EMT. I went back for my second degree in criminology, but I realized I wasn't going to use that degree. But it was always good to have a backup. And then I worked my way up into my RN, and I'm currently working on my master's in nursing. Um, while I was in RN school, I became a member of the National Student Nursing Association. I was elected onto the resolutions committee along with five other students that were elected out of the entire United States. Uh, we worked for an entire year with authors on resolutions on how to improve health care and improve our nursing education. I traveled to Salt Lake City, spent a week visiting these resolutions before the Board of Delegates, at which I successfully passed and adapted into effect 57 of the 59 resolutions that I presented. This was another life-changing moment for me. It was then that I knew that there was much, much more to this medical field than I ever knew and that whatever my calling was in it, I would definitely answer for. Um, when the pandemic hit the first wave, I was working at the VA in Tampa, Florida. And the best way I can describe it is it felt like everything suddenly stood still. And then as if a pin dropped, everything began moving and chaos ensued. Um, we were short-staffed. We were short-supplied. We had no N95 mask. At best, we had one paper mask provided to us every 10 days. Um, this amazing company, L. Garrett Designs, out of Orange Park, Florida, was actually hand-making masks and sending them to us to assist us in giving the protection that we needed um, during this pandemic. I remember we would go find old supply rooms that had old surgical boot covers and hair covers. Um, they actually contained antimicrobial properties, which help protect against um, viruses. We would wrap them around our face in place of mask. Um, any protection was better than no protection. We had COVID patients in rooms next to non-COVID patients. We were walking in and out of rooms and ultimately contaminating everyone we contacted. We knew it wasn't right, but we also couldn't just not provide medical care to those who needed it. It was a double-edged sword. It caused serious moral conflicts within all of us. Hours there were so long, the days seemed endless. It seemed the more we helped, the worse it got. The nurses were quitting at record pace due to the lack of protection and supplies, and we were just overloaded. But those of us that were still there just couldn't walk away. I couldn't walk away. I don't fault the nurses and healthcare staff that have. Um, we all have reasons for our choices, and it's not my place or anyone else's to place judgment on anyone due to their um, decisions solely on our lack of understanding why they chose it. Um, but their living, leaving does weigh heavy on us. Um, we're still in this fight, and it's still... A big fight when the pandemic hit. I was quick to sign up to assist wherever I was needed. We had a link that was sent to our email that allowed us to be contacted when COVID resulted in having hot spots 
um, when nurses were needed in those hot spots, they would call us um, by May. Calls and emails were coming through um, nonstop. And by June, I was packing up and heading to North Carolina to work COVID response. I was in North Carolina until September before being brought to Georgia, which is where I currently am. I work COVID pulmonary here. I'm expected to be here at least until February. Um, our supplies are um, slightly replenished, though the second wave has hit, and the supplies are dwindling very quickly. Um, we don't have all those high-tech suits and gears that everybody thinks we have. We have an N95 mask and basic PPE, gloves, a little plastic gown, and the unit I work on is strictly COVID patients. We currently have 41 patients. Um, in this small county alone, we've had 4,642 patients and um, a total of 105 deaths, which never get easier and literally bring us to tears every time we experience one. Our job on COVID pulmonary is to treat your respiratory depression to make sure that you're breathing to the best of your ability um, to do our best to keep your respiratory failure stage one and no progression from there. We treat you with regular nasal cannula oxygen up to six liters. We use Venturi mask. Um, when needed, we throw you into a um, negative pressure room and put you on Vapotherm, which is a heated and humidified high-flow therapy nasal cannula system. Um, and we use that for any stage one respiratory failure um, hypoxic patient. Um, I know that a lot of people have had a lot of questions about when to go into the ER, when not to go into the ER, and what they're supposed to be looking for and be worried about. I can tell you from my standpoint, the only part of this COVID we're worried about with your symptoms is your respiratory. You're going to have killer headaches. You're going to feel nauseous. You're going to have nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, loss of taste. Um, you're going to have fever, hot flashes, chills, all of those things. But it's your respiratory depression that is the key component to whether or not you're going to be able to fight off this virus. Some little tips I can tell you if you're somebody who worries about um, this virus in the back of your mind. Go online and buy a pulse ox. It's a little finger probe, 10 bucks maybe. If you're ever feeling like you have a cough and you're starting to feel short of breath and you're really worried and you're deciding whether or not you need to go to, into the ER, put that pulse on. If you are satting above 93%, you are okay. If you are laying down in bed and tired and satting 91% or above, you are okay. Of course, this is not substituting medical advice. I'm just giving you some ways to help control your own anxiety and worry about whether or not you're going into respiratory failure. Zinc and vitamin D are your friend. Vitamin D is super deficient here in the U.S. Like, I don't know what our problem is, but we need to eat a lot healthier. Um, the zinc helps um, 
reduce your inflammation during the infection course of this disease. If you were able to start taking zinc now and take a daily dose of zinc, that would be outstanding, as well as vitamin D and vitamin B. These things will help you tremendously. Even if you do get COVID, you already have them in your system. Once you get to our COVID floor, this is the first viral pack that we start pumping in you. So it is definitely showing good positive results to have these vitamins within your system. If you believe you have COVID or you're having any kind of tightness in your chest or you feel like you're having trouble breathing but not enough to go to the ER, or if you have been diagnosed with COVID, we have what we call COVID positions. You need to maintain these positions to help to keep this from settling in you. When you are awake, we want you to do what we call awake proning. Lay on your stomach. Whenever you are awake, lay on your stomach. When you need to go to sleep, we need you to rotate from your left side to your right side to your back. But when you're on your back, we need you up at a 45 degree angle. This will keep the rotation going. This will keep this moving. This will keep this flowing. So that way your body can make sure to build these antibodies to fight this off. This is showing huge, tremendous success. If I could give you one major piece of advice, it would be not to follow what any of our military instructors said about if you don't know, you better ask somebody. The worst thing you can do is ask somebody. Go on to medical websites. Go to Mayo Clinic. Find these documented medical journals and studies and read up on what you want to know about covid what you want to know about the treatments, about the medications, about the remdesivir, about the plasma that we're providing. Educate yourself. Do not ask another person. Proper hand hygiene is effective. Wearing a mask of any kind is effective. I know that some people don't want to hear it, and I know that some people have their own beliefs. I'm solely speaking to you from someone who is watching these patients come in every single day, sitting with them, caring for them, providing them the supplemental oxygen they need. And too many times, being the last person they see because family is not allowed to be here. They are not allowed to come on these COVID floors. They are not allowed to have visitors. We have lost not just one person in a family, but a husband, a wife, and a daughter or a daughter and have to let the husband and wife know. I'm telling you this is not something that just the government has set up. I was just as guilty as many when this first hit by thinking it can't be much worse than the flu. It can't be much worse than the SARS we've already experienced. And I was 150% wrong. Nothing could have ever prepared me for the day in and day out of caring for these patients. And knowing that even those who survive that have received the remdesivir oftentimes are now on dialysis, either short-term or long-term. Those who were previously healthy are now going home with oxygen tanks and insulin due to the medications we're having to provide them. Those who were healthy are now going home sick, but they are so beyond happy because they are getting to go home.
Again, with my one piece of advice to educate, educate, educate yourself. That is also my only request as a COVID nurse that you please, before giving false information or taking in false information, that you please educate yourself and that you please understand when you're out in public and talking freely about your feelings and emotions and how this may not be what you think it is or how this is something awful that the reality is one of the persons sitting to the left or right of you has lost a family member to this virus. So please keep their mental health in mind as well as yours as we all face this pandemic and just try to survive it at this point. Well, that's all for me today. I want to thank my guest, Jamie Gary, for taking time out of her busy day to come talk to us and give us a report from the front lines. And I want to thank her for her courage and her dedication and the bravery it takes to put yourself in harm's way for strangers. I'll see you next time. Thank you.